0: And the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that, you can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best and always choosing the best.
1: Welcome to the Baptist Friends podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. Today, Pastor Sexton is speaking on how America is removing God and replacing him with Marxism. And now, here is Pastor Sexton.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I uh, I deeply appreciate you coming. We're going to talk about a very serious subject. And, uh, you know, there are two things that we need to do. We need to live a disciplined life, no doubt about it. But we need to continue to be pleasant people who know the Lord, love the Lord, want to please the Lord in all things. Even before I pray and we begin, I want to tell you that I think we're in the greatest battle of my lifetime. And not only because it's affecting, in an adverse way, the work of God, but it's affecting people all over our country. And it's hard for me to imagine that 19 cities, 19 American cities, have taken legal action with their legislature, with their branch of government, whatever it may be that has to be exercised to do it, to defund police or change the order of things in policing our country. Someone said the government begins in the local sense, in local government, and we give a lot of attention to national things and state things, but I just, I just, I just can't imagine... So somebody needs to ask, how did we ever get here? And what is the objective? What enemy are we fighting? What is it that we're dealing with? And there's a reason the Lord Jesus says that his body, the local church, is the pillar and ground of the truth. And so we have the answer. And may God guide us and help us. We're going to deal today with the subject of how America is removing God and replacing him with Marxism. And this is something we've seen at a distance in other parts of the world. But now we've got trained Marxists leading rebellion in America, and much of our political system has been affected by it. We have a person running for president of the United States in this next election, Mr. Biden, who has committed himself to these people who want to move this country far, far to the left. I want you to understand some things, and uh, we'll try to get an understanding here. But let's pray together and ask God, by his spirit, to enlighten us and help us and teach us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We recognize that we're in the midst of something that is destructive, but we're not left alone as orphans. We have your word and your spirit help us to rely upon thee. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to know that I have Mr. Tim Cart with me today. Tim Cart is a Crown College graduate and an associate here in the church. I want you to see him, and uh, we'll get the camera on him if we can. Good. Uh, uh, Mr. Cart uh, spent about 13 years in Venezuela, and as an eyewitness saw Venezuela move in the direction that, uh, unbelievably, America's moving in. we we'll also have uh, Mr. Zinker with us. I think most of us know James, and... Uh, And James is here working with us in the church. And I'm going to be asking them to make some comments and tell us some things they know about about what's going on in the area of socialism and what happens in Marxist societies. There's some things I am going to read to you. You may want copies of. If you do, with your Bible in hand, make notes. Would you please? Just make notes of things. And if you say, I'd like you to send me a copy of that. I'm going to read you a paragraph that's been attributed to Adrian Rogers, but Adrian Rogers never claimed that he, he came up with it. He just quoted it one time. It was something that originated in 1931. Dr. Rogers was born in 1931, so I don't think he wrote it in 1931. But um, it was originally written by a man named Smith in an unknown work and adapted uh, from an adaptation of William... B-O-E-T-K-E-R, Buchter Bokter. And he also wrote Ten Cannots. But I'm going to read this to you. I think you'll want a copy of it. You cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. What one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from someone else. When half of the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that, my dear friend, is about the end of any nation. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Uh, The same man who gave us that gave us cannots. And these are cannots. You cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift. You cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. You cannot help little men By tearing down big men. You cannot lift the wage earner by pulling down the wage payer. You cannot help the poor by destroying the rich. You cannot establish sound security on borrowed money. You cannot further the brotherhood of man by inciting class hatred. You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than you earn. You cannot build character and courage by destroying men's initiative and independence. And you cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they can and should do for themselves. Now, there are other things I want to share with you. But we're talking about what's happening in our country and our government. We have an outstanding man working with us as our curator for the Christian Heritage Center who just finished a a wonderful book on America's Founding Fathers and the Bible, Dr. Stephen Flick. And Dr. Flick holds a Ph.D. in this area, and um, it's a selection of studies of America's Christian origin. Now, we we often say that we have a constitution and we have a bill of rights to that constitution that defend us and we are obeying the word of God. The truth of the matter is there's an awful attack against churches. Why? Why such an attack against the church? Why? The devil wants your church closed. But he doesn't need to close churches if they just stop doing what God's given them to do. I'm going to show you part of a video in just a moment about uh, who's enabling some people in the teaching world to train preachers to do things other than preach the gospel. I just want you to know what a war we're in. I'm going to be sponsoring on the campus of Crown College in a few weeks, Patriot Summits on Patriot Nights. On Monday night when we have our School of the Bible, we're also going to have a parallel track going about America and America's founding and what America believes and why God has blessed America. I want people to understand our country and our Constitution and why we're fighting uh, socialism. Now, Let me read one Bible verse. I feel better about that, you know, to give a verse of Scripture. Um, But in Colossians, the Bible tells us in chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So you have Christ on one side, And God says, after the rudiments of the world, after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Uh, On one of these summits, we talked about the book of Jude and what God said in the book of Jude. And I believe you could trace the enemies in, in the book of Jude to what God teaches us in three categories in the book of Jude. Jude, of course, is the vestibule that leads us in that vestibule to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he talks about what we have to deal with. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. We need a greater understanding of the way of Cain. And ran greedily after the heir of Balaam. We need to understand the era of Balaam. And for reward, and they've done that And then perished in the gang saying of Kor or Korah. Those three things. And I'm going to recommend to you that you get back in the Bible. Study those three things. Get the Old Testament accounts that prepare you for this. Because when enemies pop up that you must deal with. The only way to deal with them properly. If they're error and it is error is with the truth. And you have the truth. You and I are no longer looking for the truth. We're looking in the truth. We found the truth. The truth is the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And what we're dealing with today may sound a little bit like uh, uh, some sort of social concern or political uh, genre. But the fact is, we're facing this. Do we have a voice? Uh, socialism can only survive within a secular society. And so, preceding the social propaganda that we are seeing promoted, we've seen the secularization of our nation. Now, does the church have any blame in that? Yes, of course. When we were preaching the word of God like we ought to preach it, we we had less temptation for people to fall for this. It's like this. In the days of Samson, the temple of Dagon was filled when Samson was grinding at the mill. In other words, when Samson was bound, blinded, and grinding, then the devil took that vacuum to do what he wanted to do. And so it's not that do we have a place. Our place in God's work is the prominent, preeminent place And so it's God Almighty who wants to work through his people to do something. And so let's try to get an understanding here. The secularization of America, removing of God, is a vacuum that's being filled with Marxism. So where's America headed? My wife and I talk from time to time, maybe more often than you would imagine, about what the people who influenced us fought and died for so we could have this country. Uh, And the generation that was influenced by those people coming back from World War II and all that happened in World War II, the bloodshed, what was going on in the slaughter of so many people, beating back Hitler and uh, Hitler's objectives, uh, is really what we're facing today, except the enemy is not somewhere in some other nation trying to, come to North America and to America, the enemy is within. That's the very thing that Abraham Lincoln warned about. If America ever falls, it won't fall at the hands of some transatlantic giant who came into our country, but it will crumble from within. You can read the very words of Lincoln. If you haven't read this book, I want to recommend it to you. It is called Churchill and God, God and Churchill. If you haven't read this book, I want you to get a copy of it. I have some copies I can send to you, but uh, uh, I think maybe, I don't know what the price is. Uh, Sarah, 15, what is it? About 15.95. But Mr. Churchill concluded that he was fighting World War II and had to do everything to win to save Christian civilization so it's about Churchill and God stories Churchill calling on you remember the story James in England about Churchill calling some preacher to come and see him yes. you, you, you remember enough of that to tell us a little bit about it yes tell us about it would you please
2: right at the height of the blitz at the height of the blitz in London uh, Winston Churchill asked his driver and security guard to take him to a little Baptist chapel in London and he met with the Baptist pastor he said you have 45 minutes to help me understand what is going to happen in the in the bible and so uh, this baptist pastor took the bible and showed him uh, throughout the book of revelation what he believed uh, was to be true and that god would help britain it didn't look like there was any hope at all but winston churchill said after 45 minutes you've convinced me i believe that we will win this war and so that's an interesting story how a a very little known Baptist pastor really convinced Winston Churchill that the war was worth fighting no,
0: no large church no large church uh, no 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 big big group of people but he knew this man was a true man of god yes. and sought him out yes sir now you think that had anything to do with after how many days of bombing they called the day of prayer and suddenly hitler decided to do something else
2: yes sir there was uh, almost 60 consecutive days of bombing on London, and the king called for a day of prayer. And within just a few days of that day of prayer, when everything shut down and everyone was called, all the church bells rang across the UK, people went to prayer. Within just a few days of that, uh, mysteriously, Hitler called off the Blitz, called off what he had planned to uh, take England, and decided to attack the USSR and invade Russia, which is really the beginning of his
0: demise. Well, I'll tell you this. I just think that you'll be helped as a preacher to understand, to be fired up, and to see the price that people paid to defend their country and to stand for freedom. That's what we represent. Someone asked me, said, why are you an independent Baptist? And uh, the word independent to me means dependence upon God, but I'm a free man. I'm free. And... uh, I've told you before that uh, Thomas Jefferson said, there is such a thing as an American mind, and the American mind is to be studied. Uh, we're doing everything we can to change that American mind. i tell you what concerns me, many things, but one thing that concerns me is the revolution that's already taken place in our educational institutions. The thousands of colleges and universities across America uh, propagandizing our young people And uh, I remember one time I saw the example of it going back to my high school and finding teachers now who were teaching things. This is so many years ago. Remember I told you in 1974, a sociology professor told me as a student at the University of Tennessee when I went to see him about some of the questionable things I, I was facing in class. I got a degree in education there, but I was talking to him about it, and he said, Mr. Sexton, The the Marxist Manifesto, Marx and Engels, uh, means the same thing to me that the Bible means to you. And that was just an eye-opener for me to understand. Now they're teaching the teachers in these universities who are going back to the schools in our country. And see, here's the thing about it. We're raising up a generation who's gonna to say to their fathers and grandfathers, we don't believe in capitalism. We don't believe in the Constitution. We've been taught something better. And there's a, a, a rising of Marxism, and the Marxism is an anti-God philosophy. The two Marxists who are trained in Marxism who are leading the Black Lives Movement, and i reveal revealed this in a video. I hope you posted that video and got it up where your people can see it. But they said, we are opposed to Christianity. That's in their opening statement. So, God and Churchill. Another book I want to recommend, it's been around forever. I don't know how many years ago, Orwin Lutzer wrote this, but it's called Hitler's Cross. If you haven't read Hitler's Cross, especially as it's the summation of it in the last chapters of the book, it will bring you to a greater understanding of what's going on. And the danger we always face of substituting patriotism, which we are patriots, but patriotism, whatever it might be, for Christianity. And so I I want to recommend those, those two books to you. Now, I'm going to ask some questions to Mr. Cart because the example that's used all the time for the demise of America is we don't want to go where Venezuela's gone, you know? And uh, Tim was in Venezuela serving as a missionary, married a beautiful Venezuelan girl, and got two lovely children. And now he's back here helping me in the international ministry. As a matter of fact, he couldn't stay in Venezuela. He just couldn't stay there with the demise and collapse of Venezuela. And many Venezuelans have fled for their lives. But uh, when did you go to Venezuela? I arrived in Venezuela in uh, 1999, September of 1999. In September of 1999. Yes. Very good. Now, and you went there as a missionary. Yes. I want you to tell me. You told me sometimes uh, after the government was changing and things began to be rationed. There were fights in grocery stores for food. There were, um, you had to spend the night in your car to try to get gasoline. And uh, all this came with the promise that things are going to be better. Yes.
3: Um, yes it was an amazing thing to see how a country could be dismantled through socialism. Once the socialists got complete power in the government uh, the first thing we saw them do is dismantle the police. They took the National Guard in Venezuela which was a police force and made it a personal police force of the president and uh, then after that we saw them begin to uh, take over the banking system. They changed everything to a new central bank. Of course they had some voting to change certain things about their constitution. And then after that we saw them begin to change uh, the classroom, the history. Uh, They tore down all the statues there in Venezuela. of Just like they're doing here. Christopher Columbus. They tore it down. Uh, They began to rewrite the history books to teach their children. And then eventually bypassing all local government and sending funds uh, like Cuba straight to a community group of people. I just read
0: an interesting book. I sent it to my United States congressman on erasing uh, our past. And um, it's a uh, book well-documented about why uh, people are working against erasing our past. They're trying to erase our past so they can rewrite, the historical revisionists can rewrite our past and uh, the 1619 history with slave beginnings and that type of thing, and so that they can project a different future. And so the same pattern is being followed everywhere. Same
3: thing because of its basis in Marxism and Socialism, which promises everything but never can accomplish nothing but absolute destruction. The great news was Uh, Some churches, some pastors did get on board and support uh, Chavez and his 21st century socialism. So preachers
0: actually got involved in it.
3: Yes. And then after a while, when they realized how bad it was going to be and a little bit more discernment, they began to reject that. Of course, they have suffered quite a bit down there, the pastors and the churches. The greatest thing I had as a missionary, like Pastor said, one time we were in a supermarket, had to fight for some ground beef and... uh, gas lines uh trying to find baby formula uh you would lose rights it was hard to find a place to to rent there as a missionary and on and on uh, people are just uh, suffering uh we've had so many friends die because of lack of medicine in the last couple of years i'm
0: going to ask you some so, more questions yes. about how it affected what should have been a, a, a faith trusting god believing god because um i want to show a little video here in just a moment okay. I was a Southern Baptist pastor for seven and a half years. I still have wonderful Southern Baptist friends. I didn't leave the convention throwing hand grenades back in places, trying to blow it all up. I just became an independent Baptist. I I wanted the freedom of... And there's something about a free church. Yes. When a church is free and not encumbered by denominationalism. Yes. And I I want to be a part of that, that free movement. And so when I became... An independent Baptist by conviction in 1975, I began to learn that there were always churches through the centuries before denominations and conventions, or conventions rather, and confederacies of churches were even united. There were always people who had this mind that we're going to be free, and we find them all through human history worshiping God and serving God. We have the great message, the only message. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Everyone that believes it to the Jew first and also the Greek. But I'm going to show a video that's going to shock everyone here. And uh, I just want to show a little piece of it and just a piece of it because uh, the most unlikely person you'd ever imagine uh, has gotten involved in some of our seminary training by funding and the idea of social justice. What would social justice mean to you? That's what I had
3: to do as a missionary there, and I helped as many pastors as I could in Venezuela. Uh, God will have to give you discernment, and he will, but one of the key things we had to teach in Venezuela was there's a difference between biblical charity and social justice. Uh, Charity is a church taking care of its its widows. Push that a little bit for us. Yes, taking care of its widows, taking care of orphans, taking care of strangers, taking care of prisoners. That's charity. But social justice is a system. And social justice is based upon the concept of oppressors. And, of course, um, if you know anything about history, about uh, what has happened through Latin America with the socialist uh, there, with the uh, theology has been changed. But what it says is the church are to get involved and fight against these oppressors. And we see that happening in America today. This is the video you'll see. And the idea behind all of that is if the church will get involved and do God's work and stop these uh, oppressors from oppressing all these people, then they're doing God's work. And that's absolutely a lie of the devil. Uh, God's work is to take the gospel to every creature. And uh, social justice is based upon the idea of oppressors. But all of that is because of the sin nature. Because we live in a fallen world. And the church should have charity. But the purpose of the church is to be preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take for illustration uh, Zacchaeus. If Jesus was a Marxist, and I told this in Venezuela so many times, he would have got a sword and killed Zacchaeus and then turned that group of people into a a riot uh, against the Roman Empire. And so Jesus wasn't a Marxist. He came up and brought salvation to Zacchaeus. And what a change of that community when this liar and thief got his heart changed. So uh, people want to take the churches in America into social justice and get them in a force to change people from the outside. And God wants to, us as Christians in the church to take the gospel where he will change people from the inside out. And uh, that's, uh, we have to be careful with the attitude of our church members getting into this social justice mindset. We have to teach cl- uh, clearly uh, the gospel
0: and also what charity is all about. And propaganda is being used yeah. in a big way. It always is when Marxism is on the move, when anything false yes. is on the move. Yeah. And propaganda. Hitler said he could make the truth a lie and the lie a truth. And so Hitler also said whoever controls children... Controls the future. Yes. And you know, uh, statements like the statement MTV makes, we, we don't appeal to the 14-year-old. We own the 14-year-old. So we're dealing already with the brainwashing of a generation who are willing to accept nearly anything. And then people conflating the ideas. And I think it's good that you've made, made such a difference. I want you to say that again so mm-hmm. we get it. One thing we're to do is to help people, help widows, help orphans, and that is Christian charity. Yes. But then the appeal that's being made to people is that we're not Christian because we're not instituting right. social justice. And that
3: is a, a an anti-gospel, anti-Christ mentality, to think the church should get involved of trying to help oppressed people. That's because of sin nature. If they would get saved, then that would go away.
0: Well, they, they don't deal with sin. Right. Because sin demands we have a Savior. That's right. But anyway, I want, you to, I want you to watch this and we'll comment about it. This is just a question and answer session that we discovered. And, uh, and we did the research to find out it's really true. It's going to be shocking to you. I want you to know that. And I'm not trying to get against all people. I'm just saying how these things begin to find their way into teaching institutions.
4: And this is well-documented. I mean, you can find out, you can look it up uh, about Soros funding the EIT and all the people that are on board. So this is where the Southern Baptists are really big into this and involved, and we're seeing a major shift within the Southern Baptist Convention. Russell Moore and the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission has a big part of the EIT. And through that program and the ERLC, they have been orchestrating left-wing activities within the Southern Baptist Convention and doing a political takeover from within.
1: What what do you think the motivation for them doing this would be? If if you're saying it's a, it appears you've showed showed funding, you've showed movements, you showed all this, what is the motivation?
4: I'll just go this way, just it's how communism works, right? You have opportunists They go along the way, they see an opportunity to advance their careers, they get money, you have the change agents, which I am, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Russell Moore from the ERLC is a change agent. Uh, he was a Democrat aide before he got into ministry, he's been a long, lifelong Democrat, we've read his writings about who he is and he's always wanted to take Christianity and move it to the left. We're watching guys like that, but we also see opportunists in the way that say, oh I can advance my career if I get into this movement, and then you, and you just have useful idiots and ideologues that would rather go with the flow than stand up for what's right.
1: Well, and this is interesting from my analysis. Now, of course, we can't, you know, I'm I'm taking your word for it. Yes, yes, uh, yes. I mean, I've done research on this as well, and it it lines up with it. Looking into, of course, history of subversion, talking about Soviet operations very similar to this. I talked about their subversion of the World Council of Churches. I talked about, um, you know, of course, they went in, I went after the Catholic religion, they had all kinds of Catholic organizations. They started, they they promoted, maybe started, maybe promoted liberation theology which the Ceausescu regime in Romania used to spread Communism throughout Latin America and which got into the United States as well, and so it makes sense, and here was their thinking with this. Their thinking was is that you could not spread Communism in the United, during the Soviet Union time, during the Cold War, you could not spread Communism in the United States because the moral values were fundamentally opposed to it. You had to first destroy the culture, destroy yep. the beliefs and destroy the values because only then would the society be ripe enough to be, um, you know, to become a fertile bed for these communist ideologies? Is this right. the same thing you're saying?
4: It's, it, it, it's the exact same thing. So let, let's just go take a step back. Who do the Democrats blame for the election of Donald Trump?
1: Who? You have evangelicals, probably. White evangelicals. Why would the sleeping giants of the, the sleeping American giant voting of America system, the, Why the, the silent voters? Why wouldn't yeah.
4: you want to target that politically to achieve your objective? And that's exactly what we're seeing. So I'm going to drop another thing with the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, we just found out recently that uh, the vice president of their church planning network uh, with the North American Mission Board, incubated, a organization called the AND Campaign, A-N-D Campaign, which is Christianity Social Justice. And he's working with left-wing radicals to start a political dialogue group to get Christians to engage with socialists. And he incubated this in his church, and now this guy's in charge of the church planting network for the Southern Baptist Convention. And what we've been finding out is, if you're a young church plant, and the North American Mission Board helps fund church plants, what we're finding out is, if you're not on board with social justice, if you're not woken on board with this program, they're not going to give you money to plant your church. They're only funding churches that
0: are friendly and moving to the left. Now... Do you know, I, that's shocking to me, because people like Adrian Rogers and down with the Lord were personal friends to me, and, and men that I have the greatest respect for. I, I cut my teeth as a preacher, under uh, dr criswell and who was a strong fundamental man in my opinion and so uh, even the southern baptist convention collectively is still talked about as the most conservative group of christian people in the country and um, the right right wing radical part uh, some independent baptists and so uh, i i think i've worked hard at saying i'm a bible believer I'm a Bible believer, and I believe that our message is the gospel, but I've tried to help with the tone of what we're doing, and I I think sometimes that's been misinterpreted. I I mean by no means to be a a denier of what God wants. I think we ought to do the strongest preaching that we can possibly do, but not beyond the Bible, not falling short of the Word of God, not, not beyond the Word of God, but... I am appalled, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that someone like Soros would be giving money through a back door to church planning groups only if they'll promote social justice. But do you see, like, for instance, the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention? I've met him, young man, and uh, he graduated from Bobby Robertson's Christian school years ago. But he came out immediately when he was elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention with some outrageous statements that leaned toward the social justice message. And I'm saying we have what this world needs, what our country needs. And, you know, and we've been given the freedom to speak. The First Amendment to the Constitution guarantees we have freedom of speech. But the way to keep it is to speak freely. The First Amendment to the Constitution guarantees that we have freedom of assembly in a peaceable assembly. But the way to keep it is to continue to peaceably assemble. Uh, The First Amendment of the Constitution guarantees we have freedom of the press. And we need to get our message out through every means possible. God has given us these, these opportunities and we have to use them. Fellas, we're in a war. We're in a war. This is no time to be passive. And we must engage in it and engage recognizing that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We have weapons that the world doesn't have. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We have prayer, access to God through prayer. Jesus purchased this through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so we have the power of the gospel. And so we, we we're, this is our moment. This is our moment. Either rise to it or lose your country. And that's what we're seeing happen. Because God is being put out. The society is like uh, the culture is one and the world is changed to a complete secular society. And so this is the time for us to speak up, stand up, and proclaim the truth of God's word. Now, Tim, I'm going to ask you some more questions about venezuela because how does it happen how, how did how did this happen i mean this morning they reported in america that 19 cities 19 cities have voted to defund their police what in the world is that going to lead to how how could that ever happen and the crowd that ransacked and raided the anarchist who broke all the windows out in the miracle mile in uh, uh in chicago and broke into all those stores uh, and now are, are petitioning, standing outside them while we're here speaking, yeah. asking for the people who've been arrested to get out of jail or they're gonna do more harm. Yeah. How does this happen to a country? Well,
3: Venezuela was the fifth largest oil producing country in the world. The most poorest country in the world is South Sudan. Venezuela is now below South Sudan. Mm. Um, these people are evil. My wife's doctor uh, was also the doctor to Hugo Chavez's first wife and she told us about how he beat her. Of course uh, they were divorced but that man was pure evil. Uh, These people are evil. Uh, They're controlled by Satan. Uh, They may not be conscious of that fact but they've given themselves over to their own desire to sinfulness. But what happened is, when these people get in charge, they're ruthless. They're not playing around. Uh, I saw uh, when the doctors, the wealthy people in Venezuela, begin to leave. Uh, they had, were run, ran out. And the wealthy people aren't going to hang around this country. If they start taxing them 70 percent, they're going to leave. And the people with the ability to make things happen are going to leave. And when those people left it was they had control over everything even though people were protesting and fighting and they're still trying to fight over a million Venezuelans have left the country. Now the miracle is I tell people socialism destroyed everything except the churches. God's people uh, have paid a price there but they're going forward. And uh, we have to understand that uh, back to what we need is God's grace. Got, I have to go back to the Gospel because if you want justice, I don't want justice. If I get justice, I'm going straight to hell. I need the grace of God, and and, there, and that is no longer in the values of the majority of Americans. It's no longer in their thinking process because of what has happened in this country with why, secularization. Why would the
0: former president's wife, Michelle Obama, say this week, now, now we're in a position to redistribute the wealth of America. Why would she make a statement like that? In other words, those of us who are removed from this way of thinking, we have a hard time understanding that. Now, she says, we can now redistribute the wealth in America. What does she mean by that? Yeah. Well, what
3: they, what they want to do is, they have, the only way socialism can continue to exist, or, or people want power can stay in power, is by uh, force, by protest, and the way they can keep people protesting is through propaganda or through promise, the utopian idea. And uh, I saw that so many times in Venezuela, and so the idea is, you can, just like Pastor introduced us to uh, these uh, uh, things that you cannot do, they want to stay in power and they will promise anything, they will lie any way they can lie, they will use any propaganda they can use to stay in power because they truly believe that it is their righteous cause uh, to do that and it's uh, their religion. The socialists, uh, I saw in Venezuela, the political party there, the socialistic party in Venezuela, it became almost, it was pure religion to those uh, socialists. I mean that's what they lived for, gave themselves for, and everything.
0: We, we've always said humanism is, is a religion, yeah. but the, the secular society makes humanism and man solving problems makes it their answer, their God. Exactly. Uh, it's uh, man-centered
3: all the way. It's uh, the um, removal of God and man taking his place. You're exactly right. In, in Venezuela, uh, one day I was watching Chavez on television. He took a Bible Opened the Bible up. He said, I saw something in the Bible. I'm going to tell everybody in this nation about the Bible. We need the Bible. The Bible's God's word. And he read about Ananias and Sapphira. And he said, Ananias and Sapphira, God killed them. And the reason why God killed them is they weren't good socialists. Uh, they w- didn't want to contribute. They didn't want to uh, help their community. They didn't care about their family. And then the next morning, I'm, i I got to get up and go in and preach uh, a gospel message after all the... Uh, People there in that country had heard that from the President Chavez and so uh, you know they're going to do everything they can do for themselves they're the center of it all and it's all about them and what they want done and how they want it done uh, to stay in power and to believe what they they want now we know this world is going to be eternal we're living in a different system and, and that goes back to as a pastor the great danger is the attitude of the people in our churches today and pastors can help them with that. In uh, the Roman Empire, Erwin Lutzer said that uh, the Christians were not thrown to the lions because they believed in God. He said you could believe in any God you wanted in the Roman Empire. He said the reason why the Christians were thrown to the lions is that, that they refused to tell Caesar he was Lord. And in America today, we're going to have to refuse to accept that these people have the answer. And a lot of Christians want to hold
0: conviction, but they want to hold it in their own church buildings. and so They don't want to speak about it. We've got to get the message to the marketplace. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I found something else that the man who wrote that wonderful little paragraph said. He said, these are seven national crimes. Now this is on the political point of view, but it affects our faith and our working out our own salvation Meaning, discovering why God saved us and what our message is. He said, here they are. Number one, I don't think. Number two, I don't know. Number three, I don't care. Number four, I'm too busy. Number five, I'll leave well enough alone. Number six, I have no time to read and find out. Number seven, I'm really not interested. And so these are battles, these national crimes, as someone called them uh, pre-World War II, these are things with which we must deal. Do you know the pastor is motivated and he is a prompter. He's behind the pulpit prompting the people, not controlling them. Remember, our influence does not dominate. If you can dominate people... You're no better than the people that we're talking about. Our influence permeates. Now, and that permeating of influence helps people to learn to think comparing Scripture with Scripture. And we have, we have the friend of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the greatest way to lead your people is to speak the truth in love to them and let the Spirit of God affirm to them. As you're speaking the truth in love, let the Spirit of God affirm to them, this is right. This is the way. I must walk in it. But it's time to take action. It is time to take action. I don't know how any, any person, I want to say red-blooded, flag waving American, I don't know how any Christian who loves America, loves his country, and loves the opportunity we have to preach the gospel is not stirred up to do something. Then what are we going to do? I want Mr. Zinker to, to comment here on some things because he he lived for 11 years, 11 years in an apathetic environment. We went to the United Kingdom to start our work as an extension of Crown College and Temple Baptist Church. And James was faithfully serving here and doing a great work. I mean, amazing. As a matter of fact, when I said to my wife, when she said, who are you going to send to England with all these dreams and ideas? I said, James. My wife said, no, you're not. He's too great a help to us here. But God put him there and we worked together. But he was in the midst wonderful people. There were wonderful people. Few in number perhaps, but wonderful people who were waiting, waiting for a voice. Waiting for someone to rally them and I want you to tell a little bit about what you found because that's what we really we've gone to England to find out now America's gone where England is so we can do what we need to do what was done there would you talk a little bit about it
2: please back in the early 2000s Pastor Sexton preached a message here um, are we going where they are referring to as the United States going where the United Kingdom is in a very secular direction and certainly that was a very prescient message that he gave um, I want you to think of the most Christian country imaginable, uh, a place that calls itself a Christian country, a place that is very grateful. Uh, for instance, a four-time prime minister, William Gladstone, stood in, prime, in the uh, parliament and he held a Quran above his head and he made this speech. He said, so long as there is this book, the Quran, there will be no peace in this world. Uh, this is a Christian nation. He referred to England and all of Britain as a Christian nation. Uh, Winston Churchill said of Islam, Improvident habits, slovenly systems of agriculture, sluggish methods of commerce, and insecurity of property exist wherever the followers of the Prophet Muhammad rule or live. There is no stronger retrograde um, force that exists in the world than Muhammadism. It is a militant and, and proselytizing faith. Uh, they referred to the United Kingdom as a Christian nation. There were days of prayer. Uh, the man who preached to Henry VIII, Hugh Latimer, on New Year's Day, gave him a Bible for a gift, and he had marked in that Bible Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, Uh, Henry VIII had just divorced his first wife, and he preached on this text, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And these were preachers that were powerful. These were men who were bold and fearless, and the pulpits were on fire with the truth. And People, even 50 years ago, uh, back in the 1960s, people, 80% of children went to Sunday school. There were oh. churches open. Every 1,000 people had a church for them. That's in amazing. community, in their neighborhood. There wasn't a place in the United Kingdom where you couldn't basically almost walk to church. Uh, it was an amazingly Christian nation. So how... Uh, You meet people in their 70s now and they're heartbroken because they grew up in a nation like that. They grew up in a place where you never locked your doors. Uh, You never had any problems with crime. And now uh, they're living in a place that is totally secular in many, many ways. And how did that happen? Uh, I think we're seeing that happen here. You have the decay of a Christian identity. You know, No longer is the United States what people would once have called a Christian nation. Um, Christianity is something to be avoided there's the corruption of higher education so Oxford and Cambridge John Wesley Charles Wesley George Whitfield went to Oxford the Cambridge seven who went to China with CT stud these were once places that were really seminaries now they're hotbeds of everything but Christianity and that's now trickled down so that people who are going into first grade have uh, LGBTQ week and you're told that for one week of the school year you have to dress as the opposite. This is happening in the are. United Kingdom. That's happening today. So that's not high schoolers. That's children that are five or six years old.
0: You mean in their schools they're doing this. Now we're hearing about the same things in America. What, what, what creates the atmosphere or lack of things in the atmosphere that allow this kind of thing to happen? I think if you
2: would drive around towns and cities there, you would see... The the buildings that are thriving are the things that are contributing to secularism the buildings that are closed or closing are churches and i was reading something that uh, charles finney an american said i don't agree with everything charles finney ever did but he said something really interesting he said there are frauds and villainies back in 1873 in every high and low place among all ranks of men what is the cause of this degeneracy i'm persuaded that the fault is more in the ministry than all things else. Brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits. If uh, there is decay in the conscience, the the pulpit is responsible for it. If there is a lack of morals, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in the halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics are so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, The pulpit is responsible for it. So let us not ignore the fact, dear brethren, but let us lay to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility. The pulpit is responsible to raise the respect and morals of each nation.
0: So if we turn that inside out, the pulpit should be proclaiming these things. And this is, you know, the pastors
2: here were living in an age, like you said, of compounded confusion and what can a pastor do should we go get make our protest signs and go march on the Capitol? well we've been given a place the pulpit to preach the truth and that's a very special and unique place no one else in the world holds so as as
0: it's being preached reviving churches that were all but dead people are responding because god does have a people does he? yes and when the gospel is
2: preached The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Reaching the next generation, reaching the children with the truth, that is a key. Because the adults have made up their mind. Anyone who's religious is an idiot. If you believe God exists, you must have a mental issue. But the children have a heart to hear and believe the gospel. And and so reaching children is a
0: very, very important thing, I believe. Well, we must reach and train the children for the next generation. So what we're doing in England, what we should be doing here, starting new Sunday schools. Yes, sir. And, uh, and we're trying to get the, the Word of God into the hearts and minds of people. Yes. And God's Word will do its work. You know, the Bible says of itself, the work of the Word of God is to make us wise into salvation. And that's what God's Word does. It, it teaches us doctrine. That's our belief and teaching. People believe what they believe because they haven't been taught the truth. And then it reproves us and corrects us and instructs us in Righteousness. I've encouraged the pastors this pastor's summit and other pastors to commit themselves to be soul winning shepherds. Soul winning is going in the power of God's Holy Spirit and giving a clear presentation of the gospel and bringing people to the place of receiving or rejecting Jesus Christ. Salvation is of the Lord, it's about talking to people about who Christ is, starting conversations about Christ, turning conversations into conversations about Christ. This is the greatest opportunity we've ever had to do that. If we let it pass now, it will never happen again. I want to send you a New Testament, a soul winner's New Testament, absolutely free. If you'll just commit, 30 of you have done this already, commit to win souls. I mean just say, I'm gonna give the gospel to people, I'm gonna give a clear presentation of the gospel, I'm going to talk about the logic of the gospel. And you you use anything you want to use. God loves all people. All men are sinners. Sin must be paid for. Christ paid for our sin. We must personally pray and receive Christ by faith as Savior. And use illustrations. Tell your own story. You have a story to tell. You are a witness. The noun comes before the verb. You are a witness. I am a witness. And so... Look, we can't sit back and say, all right, everybody in our church, get at it. No, lead the way. And if you'll do that, just commit to give the gospel to people each week. Personally, I want to send you a New Testament. We'll put your name on it. My friend, Dr. John Stansel has provided all these testaments, and I'm thanking him for it. But I want to give it to you with a commitment that you'll win people to the Lord. You may want some other things we've talked about today, but I would love to send you this New Testament with your name on it. Look, I'm not going to roll over and play dead. And neither are you. The enemy is at the door. Like in the days of the Assyrian Empire at the walls of Jerusalem. And God's people prostrated themselves and prayed. And God delivered him. One night he killed 185,000 soldiers in the Assyrian army. As a matter of fact... There was the downfall pronounced of Assyria. Until finally, it did take place. Nineveh was destroyed. That's what the book of Nahum is all about. So I want to encourage you. Preach the word of God. Teach the word of God. Reach children. Reach families. Lift up the banner of the cross. Stay everlasting in it. There's no one doing anything more important in your town and in your country than you're doing. No one is doing anything more important than you're doing. So somehow inside, let the fire of God rise in your soul and get everlastingly it. These men have seen it firsthand. We're watching it. It's unfolding. Today, 19 cities voting to defund the police. Streets by the hundreds have people rebelling. What do you think it's going to be like when these college campuses are back? People are talking about the Corona-19 virus uh, and and what's going to happen there with COVID-19. Look, I'm more concerned about the rebels, the anarchists who are going to be rallied in these college campuses to get in the streets of America because they've been taught this stuff. They've been taught by Marxists. They've developed this Marxist philosophy. And the only combat for it is to go with the weapons of our warfare, which are spiritual, and combat it with the gospel message. It must be done. Let's, let's, in, in doing so, we're not only getting people saved because that's what the gospel will do. The Lord will bring salvation. But we're going to be the means of God using someone somewhere to bring the mighty revival and save our nation. Is your heart in it? Is your heart in it? Let's encourage one another in the Lord. May God help us. May God help us. We're having a triple conference here in October with our Youth Congress, our World Mission Conference, and the Baptist Friends Meeting. We're having a triple conference just to rally the troops because the time has never been shorter. The need has never been greater. And the laborers have never been fewer. So you do your part and let God ignite it by His Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask one of these men to lead us in prayer and uh, i want to thank you for being with us in this hour and if uh, you have any questions or anything you want from us all you have to do is email us i'm sorry i didn't have time for questions today i'll remind you that my friend ralph sexton and ralph sexton ministries and ralph sexton's ministry facebook page is preaching is preaching in, in, live now in new england about the destruction of statues and removing our past and so if you can go online and hear Ralph preaching at Ralph Sexton Ministries' Facebook page, I think that'll be good to encourage you, and we need to encourage one another. Any, any quick thing we need to say here in conclusion? Uh, we want to pray for Brother Bobby Leonard's wife, Jean, who has the COVID-19, that God will deliver her, and uh, we're asking God to move and work in a mighty way. Look, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and love, and a sound mind. The spirit of the Antichrist is moving in on us. I'm not saying the Antichrist, but the spirit of the Antichrist. And that is already with us. And so let's combat it with the truth. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Mr. Zeker to lead us in our closing prayer today. And I want to thank you for listening.
2: Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the truth we've heard today. We're thankful for each of these pastors and preachers who've joined on the Shepherd Summit. We pray they be blessed, strengthen, and encourage them, lift them up. May they be bold in proclaiming the gospel and preaching thy word with the truth and with Holy Spirit fervency. And we pray that the pulpits across this land would be set on fire and people would see the difference Christ can make in a life. Amen. There'd be people saved and people called into the ministry, and people going forth with the gospel. Help us all be those soul winners we need to be. Give us the Holy Spirit's power that we need to go out. Help us have the desire to do it. And we pray for Pastor Sexton. Bless and help him and his wife. We pray especially for Bobby Leonard's wife, Jean. Bless her as she has the coronavirus. And we pray that she would be restored to full health. Bless each of these
0: pastors we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This... Shepherd's Summit will be posted by the end of the day. Tell someone you know in God's work that they could watch it. And I hope be encouraged to take the strong, compassionate stand that the Lord wants us to take. Thank you. I love you. Let's pray for one another. God bless you for being with us today.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.